0: This is Sheffield, Sheffield Live.
1: We're open for Business Live.
0: We, we think from about... This office, we donated
1: about £100,000 worth of aid. Hello, curious social entrepreneurs and business leaders, and welcome to episode 364 of Business Live on FM radio, online and multiple podcast apps and platforms. I'm Jamie Veach, and you've just heard a clip from our guest today, Diane Evans. She runs an estate agency and lettings agency business in Sheffield, and she and other businesses were in the news at the start of the month when she worked with other businesses to organise the collection and donation and distribution via lorry to Poland of items in urgent need for Ukrainian refugees. Now, I read that and something really stood out to me because when I heard about it in the Star local newspaper and on the BBC, it was a great story. But something that also stood out in terms of the fact that Diane discovered her family in Ukraine only two and a half years ago. How did she discover them? How did she find them? And how's, how's that been in terms of being and meeting them for the very first time, members of her family, tracing them? And of course, how's it been since then? So this week, I met Diane and she told me her story, the story of finding her family, as well as the story of how her business, other businesses and the people of Sheffield have donated goods in urgent need to support Ukrainian refugees, how that came together. She also talked about running a family business and tips from Nine Years in Business. You can hear from Diane in a moment or two. Also on the programme today, we have a game-changing opportunity. If you run a business that makes create social change. And if you're an extraordinary business leader, then you could apply for a prize with a £10,000 cash award. There are up to four winners for this. The Cambridge Social Innovation Prize, we have full details after the interview with Diane. We also have some changes in employment law and some other updates that are coming up after the interview with Diane Evans. But without further ado, let's hear... About Diane Evans's experience finding her family and supporting Ukrainian refugees. We're open for business, life. Diane, thanks so much for joining us on the radio show and podcast today.
0: Thank you. It's nice to be uh, here and speaking with you. I, I ought to say "dobry den."
1: Dobry den.
0: Yeah, that's hello.
1: Hello, indeed, dobry den. Thank you. Well, Diane. Like many people, I was really touched when I read about what you were doing at the start of the month in terms of organising a collection of goods, of donations to then be delivered on a lorry to Poland to support Ukrainian refugees. But there's also a personal connection for you, isn't there?
0: Yes, definitely. Because my father was Ukrainian, there's obviously a vested interest there in the Ukraine just because of what's been happening Just to be able to support the Ukraine and to support my family uh, is important.
1: And this is something that you discovered two or three years ago, I understand.
0: That's right. Uh, I realised I had uh, family in the Ukraine, but uh, we weren't really encouraged to uh, find my family. Um, so when my mum passed away, because my dad died 30 years ago, we waited till my mum had passed away for us to find uh, my dad's family, which we did after a, a long journey. But um, successfully, we did make a connection.
1: Goodness me. And you found that you have relatives who are living in Western Ukraine.
0: That's right. My dad had three sisters. The youngest one was two when he left home. Uh, my dad's sisters have since died so what we're left with now is uh, my cousins and I've got six cousins that have got children and they've had children as well so there's quite a uh, a lot of us out in uh, like you said just outside of Lviv uh, a place called Drahobej that's the village that my dad was from.
1: And this must have been a piece of detective work then when you decided that you would look into it what were the avenues and tools that you used to find out more about your relatives
0: well we did google did google searches uh, but we didn't get anywhere me and my husband actually went to Lviv and I did a a, a note that I wrote and translated into Ukrainian and I went into the uh, city town hall and I passed them the message saying I was looking for my father, uh, gave him his date of birth, his name, and were there any records that matched? And they said that there wasn't there in Lviv and I had to go to Drahobij. So we went to Drahobij and they said, no, the um, records are held in Lviv. So we weren't really getting anywhere at all. Uh, So that uh, that stopped that. Then um, I even wrote to Long Lost Family, Uh, But we didn't get anything from that. And then I was speaking to my mum's friend and her husband was Ukrainian. Right. And she helped me to find my family because unknown to me that she had actually met my dad's family in 1987.
1: But you didn't know that had happened? Right. So so she helped you then to find and to trace and locate and and to meet your family? Yes,
0: because what she... Unknown to me, she'd taken some photographs Right, okay. and the, one of the photographs she'd taken of my dad's family, she'd actually sent to one of my dad's sisters, but she couldn't remember the address because it was 30 years ago. So all that information had got lost. So my mum's friend said, why don't we put an advertisement showing the picture into the local newspaper in Drohobidj? Which she did. Yes. And then we got a match. Somebody said, yeah, I recognise, that's one of my, that's my, um, let me have a think, it's my grandmother yes. on the photograph. Ah, okay. But what she then did was the photograph that my mum's friend took, she then sent that photograph. So we knew there was a match of the photographs that it was actually the person who said she, she says she was, was yes. the actual relative
1: right okay so you had that match and you had that confirmation yes as well so what happened then did you reach reply you reached out and did you arrange a meeting
0: yeah we uh we i managed to get hold uh, the girl was called eva and she's my cousin's daughter's daughter
1: Right, yes. And
0: uh, it's it a bit long winded, but we got there and I sent her an email and then we just got started corresponding. Yes. And within um, six weeks of that initial, yes, we've got to march. We were on a plane, me and my brother and my youngest daughter out to Lviv to meet the family.
1: How was that meeting?
0: Incredible. Yeah. It was literally the, the three family members were waiting on the other side of the airport doors. So when the doors opened, you know, there was real emotion there There because that was a long time.
1: It had been, yeah. So when was that meeting? When did that happen?
0: That happened uh, uh, two and a half years ago.
1: Yes. Yeah. So have you then been in regular contact and meetings and email and talking ever since then?
0: Yes, we've not managed to go back because Covid hit. Of course. So we would got our flights booked to go the following uh, June time. But we couldn't go because of COVID. So that stopped that. But the power of Facebook.
1: Yes, indeed, indeed. So uh
0: we've got we've managed to get in contact with all our relatives, even though they don't have email, they do have Facebook. Yes. So we can um I can speak to them via Facebook. I just write a message, translate it in from English to Ukrainian and then just post
1: it. That was an incredible story. And you must have been planning then to go back over to Ukraine this year as restrictions were lifted in terms of travel and so on as we came out of the pandemic until this catastrophic, disastrous and horrific war.
0: Definitely. Yeah, we were going to go back, me and my brother and... um my youngest daughter, possibly my eldest daughter, more. And my my brother's got a daughter and we're all going to go out together. And we possibly might do, but yes. yeah, there's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes there.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. How are your relatives doing at the moment?
0: They're fine just because they're outside of uh, Lviv. In And that's a relatively safe area. They're not in any immediate danger. However, many of the male members of the family have been conscripted into the army.
1: Yes. And is it's the case that any male between the age of 18 to 60, I'm reading, is is conscripted into the army? That's right, yes.
0: And two family members, one has been in um, Kharkiv and Mm. another in uh, Lviv, Uh, and they have sent some whatsapp messages and you know it's quite horrific what they've been showing us it
1: must be it's horrific what we're seeing on the mainstream news from reporters who are able to report you must have been horrified when you heard about the hostilities the aggression by russia and the outbreak of war and you have the added dimension of the family connection as well so You organised with other businesses the collection of um, goods for Ukrainian refugees. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened, how you organised that? Because you are famous for your organisational skills as well, I understand.
0: Yeah, me and my brother went to a rally that was organised outside the uh, town hall. And whilst I was there, I thought that I needed to do more than just attend a rally and keep in touch with my family i needed to do something positive so i came back uh, spoke to one a couple of friends and said what we were going to do was do a donation drop Uh, because in the office here we've been talking about the conflict in ukraine but nobody at any point has said about donating any sort of aid so i thought Why not? We'll do something here. So I sent a message to, because we're estate agents, to some of our landlords saying, would they uh, give us some sort of aid, baby milk, water, uh, canned food, toiletries, um, those sort of items. And the response was immense. So I, you know, sent messages to my friends and they again responded well. And then we went onto Facebook, we put a message on Facebook, on the uh, our business Facebook. We, my son-in-law knows Dan Walker. He put it on his Facebook page and yes. he's got a lot of followers. He and does. then friends posted and friends of friends posted the messages and before we know, it's uh, a lot of interest is
1: gained. And what sort of items were you calling for?
0: Uh, well, I was working with a girl called Anna, And she gave me specific items. So it was bottled water, canned food, toiletry items, medicines, bandages, baby milk, baby food, and uh, good quality clothing. So we could identify exactly what we needed, just because then that could go into certain areas that were were lacking
1: of those sort of products. Right, yes. And was that the sort of thing that was donated then? Were people... Listening to what you needed and bringing those items, yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. I mean people were doing more than just a few items, people were bringing masses of items
1: and and I know that this can be overwhelming in terms of you know, you're working out of a um, a high street fronting shop and uh, for for Evansley, as it probably has been for other people collecting the public response has been absolutely enormous but then that's a huge amount of goods to deal with and to organise and to parcel up appropriately and so on how, how did you organise all that?
0: Well I've got some very good friends I've got some very good landlords and just generally people wanted to help there were people that I've never known were just in the office so when the deliveries were arriving we were itemising and itemising them into certain areas uh, so they could be easily packaged uh, for then transportation to the next port of call. Um, but it was hard work that first day. There was The office floor was covered a little bit and by the end of Tuesday, because we just did it on uh, two days, yes. Tuesday and uh, the Wednesday, the office and outside our office was... You couldn't see the pavement.
1: So an enormous quick... Rapid response from people wanting yeah. to help and then you transported um, these donations to a warehouse and organize them I understand and and then loaded them onto was it a lorry or a truck to to take them to Poland
0: yeah not quite as easy as that
1: <laughs> oh no not quite as easy as that that sentence makes it sound. <laughs>
0: So all the goods that came here, we then put them onto a friend of ours has got a removal business. So they went onto his lorry and they filled three big removal lorries full. So they went up to Chapel Town to a a company called uh, Bolton Surgical that had kindly donated their warehouse. Mm. And all the items were then boxed and packed. But to they had to be boxed and packed in a certain manner. Yes. So you had to put all the items together, all the nappies together, the baby milks, all the medicines. And there were a few delivery, other deliveries from other companies. And that took about a week to pack, mm. to palletize, and to shrink wrap all yes. the items because there was a lot of uh, products and baby milk and whatever donated. We We think from about... This office, we donated about £100,000 worth of aid.
1: Good grief. That's a lot, yeah. That's a lot. And then you've had this support in kind working with other businesses. You mentioned um, a business that's donated the use of its warehouse for a while. You mentioned a removal company, and I know a food business has been involved with this as well.
0: That's right, yeah. So you just... All networked together. Yes. I've been working with a girl called Anna, and she was the lady that uh, coordinated the um, delivery from um, Chapel Town from Bolton yes. uh, Surgical, and um, so the lorry then got piked and then went down to London and then got repiked and then taken into the uh, into Poland onto the borders. But if you look at our uh, Evansley Facebook page, it documents the delivery, here, uh, delivery of goods from here, first of all, going up to Chapel Town and then being delivered onto the border. So you can see the whole
1: story. You can see the goods from here all the way yeah. through to the border. Um, wonderful. And so, you, you know, now you're able to say that those goods have started to be distributed.
0: Yes, definitely. Yes.
1: And is this something then that you'd like to do again? I mean, what, a, what an enormous thing to do just once. But uh, is, is it something that you, you think you could do again or would do again?
0: Well, we have done something else. We did a clothing donation drop uh, mm. two weekends ago. Right. So people donated good quality clothing, some of which went to the Ukraine and then some of it got sold. We had a contact that bought all the clothes from us and then gave us the money back And we uh, and last weekend or the weekend before we uh, we got seven hundred pounds for the clothing once we they were weighed in.
1: Right, so 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 the clothing generated money, and money is really really important in terms of donating right now as well.
0: We did have some uh, other items people donated sleeping bags good quality clothing, uh, which we then packaged up. Uh, There was a Dick's board store on Infirmary Road. They donated about £1,600 worth of brand new ski equipment that went down. Um, So that was excellent. And uh, Birkdale School had a change of school uniform. So they donated some brand new little polo shirts and yes. sweat tops and socks that we packaged up into individual uh, into little packages of socks, uh, a sweat top, and uh, a little polo shirt. We put all those in sizes because they were brand new and they were beautiful.
1: So a huge range of support and yes. on this is ongoing now. And what is still needed? What what what, what items are most needed in terms of? Agencies that are organising this and distributing it at the border where refugees are coming into Poland and into other countries from um, from Ukraine. Um, what are the items that are in most demand? Do you do you know?
0: Well, according to my contact, she'll say she'll give me a list of what they're looking for, and on the list always uh, has baby food on, baby yeah. milk, and medical supplies bandages, plasters, plasters, that sort of thing, any sort of medicines, because a lot of those are going into um, Kiev.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So they they can identify exactly what they want because they know exactly where the lorries are going to.
1: Yes, of course, yeah. So they're able to uh, pinpoint what's needed and where it's needed. That's right. And are there any other ways in which um, we here in Sheffield can help... Ukrainian people in Ukraine or or Ukrainian refugees that, that um, you wanted to highlight?
0: Yeah, there's the offering accommodation for yeah. Ukrainian families. That's ideal. I just think that it needs to be the right accommodation and I think people need to think seriously about offering uh, accommodation just because somebody might want it longer than six months. I think if people are displaced and they're coming to another country, they want security. Yes. Um, And I just think you need to probably offer accommodation for a long time, especially if you've got young children that might start going to school in Sheffield. It would be nice to think that somebody could offer some accommodation. Uh, And I know that's sometimes not easy to commit.
1: No. And the government has launched this registration scheme so that people can say that they want to offer accommodation, can register. It has to be for a minimum of six months. But as you say, if people can offer longer term, that perhaps can be um more supportive of people's circumstances you're well networked in terms of landlords and so on and I imagine that you probably know of people who've already registered though I probably yet to meet the people that they're offering accommodation to we're hearing that um the process is taking a while in terms of the organisational element but um is it something where you know people are already stepping up to do this
0: yeah well i've created a database here in the office of people that have come to me that have registered uh, the details so if anybody any ukrainian families uh, want any support i've got a list of landlords or just general people that have offering
1: right accommodation okay. right so you're maintaining maintaining a list of people offering yes it? okay grand um someone's listening to this and they think okay i'd love to help i can't o- offer accommodation for that long but i'd like to help in other ways um i'd like to offer support with activities or donations or anything else are there any other ways people can can help
0: yeah i mean there's always supporting the charities we are we are supporting the a charity that is uh given an approval by the association of ukrainians uh in great britain and that's the help the Ukrainian emergency appeal. I've got a, there's a link to that on our uh, Facebook page and on our, on our website.
1: We will put a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening to this on FM radio, don't forget you can check the show notes on your podcast platform of choice or on the website and find all the links that we've been talking about. But that's brilliant. So you've checked out and you kind of you've um, done your due, due diligence on that charity that's a that's an organization that ukrainian people would like people to support
0: yeah that's right and that was uh three separate people sent me that link to the uh, the charity that's supported by the association of yes. ukrainians in great britain so um and that aid goes straight into the ukraine
1: okay great thank you for that diane um We're talking with you about your work and the work that Evans Lee has done to support Ukrainian people. Your business, though, has been going for nine years this year, Um, an independent business. It's a tough time for independent businesses. Have you um, been affected over the last couple of years through through Covid and the pandemic and everything else that businesses have had to navigate?
0: Yeah, it's been a difficult time. But because we're a family business, we're a small business. I think it's just our attention to detail more than anything else. Uh, We're friendly people. We're not corporate. We're quite relaxed. And I think people, we sell houses, we rent houses, probably because of us rather than the estate agency business.
1: Yes, so a people business, yeah. And some people, of course, they love to hate estate agents, they love to hate lettings agents and so on, and they perhaps might blame you and your industry for issues such as the cost of living crisis and the price of housing, whether that's rented housing or housing to buy, and and the fact that for some people that's very unaffordable. Um, It's a tough question to ask you, but I have to ask the question. um, What can we do... Um, to help more people access housing you know other things that you'd like to see happen in the UK that would help more people be able to either buy a home or more people be able to rent a home and do so in an affordable way
0: it's really difficult Sheffield at the moment is one of the hot spots in the country for buying and for renting properties so the supply and demand are the demand's there but there's not the supply and that drives the prices up and makes things expensive and we when we put properties on they can go above asking price yes um which is difficult if you're a first-time buyer buyer or if you're a person that's just got a very limited budget um i wish i'd got a crystal ball and i wish more people have put the
1: houses on but it's very, very difficult. So it's being driven by the disconnect between supply and demand, and that's happening in the rental market as well as the buying market. I, I understand too. I mean, in terms of things that are put on to rent, can be snapped up just like that.
0: Yeah, snap, we yeah. sometimes we have to stop viewings when. They become excessive when there's more than, say, twenty people wanting to view a property.
1: Does that disconnect in terms of between demand and supply? Does that mean that everything's stacked in either the landlord's favour or the owner's favour, and that the the renters suffer, or are landlords now stepping up and um, looking after rental properties better than they used to? Say nine years ago, when you entered the market, what's changed? In other words, in in the in the industry. I think I look
0: after the letting side of the business and we set the standards high here. Uh, we only have good quality um accommodation and landlords that can afford to look after the properties and I think that's really important because I think tenants pay a good rent they deserve to have a nice property and landlords want the properties maintaining well so we run quite a tight ship here we look after the tenants we get maintenance issues dealt with straight away and we're really approachable because I think it's a two-way thing and I think we've got some very nice landlords and like I said earlier it's about us our personalities as well people bring the business to us a lot of the time just because we're nice people yes and you know I try and do the the go do the right things I'm you know I don't want to polish my halo but I you know I'm quite a moral person and I think that uh, I like things to be done
1: right so in terms of Sheffield then as a place um that is booming you said it is a hot spot at the moment that's on a national level that's right yes yeah and is that because people are moving um away from cities like london because of the rise in remote working or there are other other are any other factors that's driving that
0: yeah i just think sheffield is a very nice place to be you've got access to the peak district on the west side of uh, of the city you know it 's a, a nice area there 's some very nice housing uh, and you 've got accessibility to parks and like I said, to the peak district people are a lot of people are relocating from London, like you said, for remote working mm. and it, you know it 's a lot cheaper to live in Sheffield than it is to live in London
1: much more affordable in comparison with London, but maybe that has an effect in terms of um, huge amounts of demand and and adding to that demand that you just talked about earlier on. Um, What tips would you give anyone else running small businesses, um, family businesses as well? Because as you know, our listeners to this particular program, it's a business and social enterprise program, are people running businesses and they're always looking for practical things that they can do. So um, to strengthen their business and to run good quality businesses what have you learnt in your nine years in terms of Evansley family business? What do you know now that you wish you'd known? What other advice would you give on a business leadership perspective?
0: Yeah, I just think you, to make any business work, you've got to put the spade work in. And I think it's about you yourself. It's about setting the standards high and working to the best of your ability. It's the, I think it's the attention to detail, always trying to answer your emails on time, keeping in touch with people, it's, it's not, nothing particularly difficult. I think it's the small little bits that make a difference. And I think in it's growing your business uh, not too vast and still having a hold on what you do. Because we're a family business here, fundamentally, it's me, my son-in-law and my daughter, but we all get on very well. It, we have a great relationship, me and my son-in-law. We never fall out uh, and everybody's quite amazed that we don't fall out.
1: That's and I, a good
0: sign. <laughs> it is a good sign. And and you know I like working within a family business because we're all there to support one another.
1: Yes. Yeah. Do you um do you ever find that you can't stop talking about the business when you're uh, having a family social event? no, no. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're very able to let your hair down and uh, and, and to and to socialize and to, yeah yeah well, i mean we work hard
0: we put a lot of hours in and then when it's time to you know move it to a social side
1: that that's quite easy yeah. to do great stuff super well it's been really interesting speaking with you diane thanks so much for taking the time today you've mentioned the facebook page i'd like you to give out the website address if you can please Yeah, it's www.evansley.co.uk. Great. And in terms of um, keeping in touch, we'd love to hear how you and how your family in Ukraine are doing. So please do come back on the show in a few months and um, tell us more about how things are going. Um, But thanks so much for taking the time today. Bachinga. We're open for Business life On FM Radio online and on a wide Exciting range of podcast platforms and apps. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly show about business and social enterprise with me, Jamie Veach. That was Diane Evans of Evans Lee talking about discovering her family, tracing her family in Ukraine, about the support that she has organized with other businesses too, and with huge amounts of donations from people in Sheffield to help Ukrainian refugees, and with some tips based on her nine years in business, running the business. Coming up on the show, we have a potentially game-changing opportunity for you. If you are an entrepreneur, an extraordinary business leader whose work creates social change, the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize, £10,000 cash award, up for grabs, well, several of them in fact, details in a moment or two. But before we do that, we have some news from a former guest. We've heard on the show from NataHub. Co-founders Caroline Allums and Manjit Serene have both been interviewed on the programme. And we had some news come in from them this week. NataHub won the Best Transformational Impact Award at this year's BET Awards, organised with BETA. These are said to be prestigious awards, which are a celebration of creativity and innovation across the ed tech educational technology industry. BET being a showcase of technology solutions for education. And Nasa Hub won the award for best transformational impact on the 23rd of March. So congratulations to them. We're open for business life. It's the 1st of April as this show is first broadcast on FM radio and as a podcast. But don't be an April fool. Do ensure you're complying with updates and changes to employment law. So in the UK, the national minimum wage has increased from the 1st of April 2022. And uh, employers, you've got to ensure you have made an appropriate increase if you are paying the minimum wage. Also, the weekly rate of statutory sick pay is increasing from £96.35 to £99.35. And the rate of a number of other statutory provisions is also changing. National insurance threshold is going to rise as well from £9,800 to £12,570 to match income tax That comes in from July 2022, so the change in the threshold of around £3,000. A few other things that uh, are changing, and of course you can get the full details from employment law expert Jay Bayani of Bayani Law. She's been a frequent guest on the programme. She writes a free blog on her website to keep people informed, whether you're an employer or an employee, worth well, not just worth. You've got to be in a know about this. Check out J. Bayani's blog for details. We're open for business life. Now, are you an extraordinary business leader and does your work create social change? If so, you could apply perhaps for the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize, which offers a £10,000 cash award to up to four winners to be invested in their personal and professional development, plus expert mentoring support as well. It's a really exciting opportunity to accelerate your impact. And in fact, a previous winner of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize back in 2019 was Gareth Roberts of the Regather Cooperative here in Sheffield. And I think he probably heard about it on this programme. The prize is a flexible award and you can use it to support your growth as a CEO and the growth of your business. It can be for professional development courses, study, consulting, travel, research lead, leave, childcare, carer support, a whole load of um, things you could put it to use for. Plus, each winner gets two weeks of expert and flexible business advice from advisors. Now, you need to get your skates on if you want to apply because the deadline is Friday the 8th of April 2022 at 11 p.m. You can get full details on the website jbs.cam.ac.uk plus Cambridge Social Ventures program director Nicole Helwig gave an interview to Heidi Fisher on her podcast, which is a podcast that I have the pleasure and enjoyment of editing, about how Cambridge Social Ventures propels unsung heroes to even greater impact. And she gave some tips in terms of how to put in a compelling application. So that interview with Nicole Helwig of Cambridge Social Ventures is well worth listening to. I'll link to that from the show notes. But in short, if you want to apply to the for the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize. The deadline is the 8th of April. There is a £10,000 cash award available to up to four winners. Get your skates on now. Check out the details on the website in terms of how to apply and potentially also listen to the interview with Nicole Helwig with Heidi Fisher on the Make an Impact podcast too because it's full of really useful insights. Well worth going for and potentially a game-changer for remarkable social entrepreneurs and extraordinary business leaders whose work creates social change. We're open for Business life. That's it for this week's episode of Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly show for curious business leaders and social entrepreneurs. Today, we've spoken with Diana Evans of Evans Lee. She discovered her family in Ukraine. And she and her business have worked with other businesses to coordinate donations for Ukrainians and for refugees. It's been a fascinating story. Talking with Diane, our thanks to her for coming on air. If you've only just tuned in, of course, catch it on the podcast. Sheffield Live has been broadcasting a whole range of interviews from Ukraine, working with Ukrainian journalists, with Ukrainian people and volunteers. Check out the Sheffield Live website, sheffieldlive.org, to watch some of those stories. Also on the Sheffield Live website, there is a whole list of organisations you can donate money to if you want to support. I know many, many listeners have done so already. uh, And donate supplies as well and other ways in which you can support Ukrainian refugees. So that also is on the Sheffield Live website, sheffieldlive.org. Thanks, Sheffield Live, for putting us out on FM radio. Thank you for listening. And just before we go, congratulations to Sheffield Tribune, launched a year ago, so celebrating its first birthday of um, bringing a journalism in a in a different way, a different kind of local journalism that they've wanted to put out. And um, hats off to them for uh, getting to their first first birthday that's it thank you ever so much for listening to the program do get in touch drop me an email jamie at sheffieldlive.org if you want to put yourself forward to be on the program if you're running an amazing impactful social enterprise or business and you want to share your tips how you've overcome challenges you've got um, something to say an opinion to make we'd love to hear from you thanks ever so much for listening to the program we'll be back next Friday. Sheffield Live
0: Made in Sheffield Made by you This is Sheffield Live We're open for business life